Welcome to Yell Fight Suey, college football from three friendly-ish rivals. And welcome back to Yell Fight Suey. I am James Christopher. I am your fight. Andy Tom Chesson with the brand new do is your yell. It's sharp. And and Scott apparently has two to three hairs up there. He is our Suey. Gentlemen, I want to dive right in to really just that nail biter of a national championship game. Um, what do you think some of the things that TCU did well? This. They did a lot of this well. I will say this. I thought their helmet design and the uniform color combination was strikingly amazing. I honestly even I think like, I that. I don't think you go to the national championship game wearing black pants and white jerseys. I think that's just silly. Well, I'm okay black is not one of your uniform colors. Well, seeing how – well, but come on, everything's – TCU is kind of like the Oregon of, of the Metroplex. Uh, <clears throat> I don't know. Um, but they would they, hate that description, so therefore I love it. Oh, it's even better. Um, no, but, I mean, look, man, their white helmets look great against Michigan, and the black ones look fantastic against uh, Georgia. I'm surprised they didn't wear red, kind of like Georgia, to hide some of the blood stains that they had all over them um, before that game was over. I mean, did you look I, at the I'll back honest, of their guys, pants? I, I'm not, I turned it off. I flipped it over to the Coliseum channel that was showing old replays of Christians versus Lions, and I found the Christian versus Lions battles to be much more. There were a couple of Christians that actually stood a chance against the Lions, which is more than we can say for TCU against Georgia. I, I think that actually explains the black pants because most of the bloodstains you would have seen from TCU players would have been coming out their assholes. Um, so I thought there were brown pants at times also from the from the from the state. No, look, I mean, look, jokes aside, though, Scott, got, we'll start with you. Uh, did you? I mean, look, no, I don't think any of us thought that that. There was a snowball's chance in hell. I thought of 28-3 sort of game, maybe. Uh, did you at all see what we saw coming? I told someone I thought 41-17, and I was laughed at. Like, that's really extreme. Turns out, not so much. No, yeah, um, yeah. I, I do think that what you saw – what you saw in Georgia against Ohio State is you saw Georgia play their worst football game of the year at a time when Ohio State probably played their best football game of the year. Right. And then you saw a Georgia team that probably played their best game of the year. I would argue that Tennessee is the only other game where they were that. Um, I felt like they were that dominant but um, at times. But they played their best game of the year. And TCU, without a doubt, played their worst football game of the year. Uh, against the best team uh, it, it was it was truly a matter that the bright lights on the big stage showed up and the tcu guys um they defensive guys were not where they were supposed to be they weren't following their assignment they they weren't doing their basic coverage that's a mental breakdown and that's what happens when you have to think for that extra half second right and that guy runs past yeah. you um they they um you know bless their hearts uh they, they just they just weren't ready for that stage. Uh, Andy, I was walking uh, past my boss, who's a uh, big George. She's from Atlanta. They're big Georgia fans. And I said, good luck tonight. And she said, I don't know. TC looks legit. And I said, no, they don't. And then I walked away. Um, did you see that coming at all? Uh, I, I will say right, wrong, or indifferent. And it's probably very unfair. This is probably what the rest of the country means when they say, 
you don't play an SEC schedule. So when you come out of the Big 12 Conference, when you come out of the Pac-12, 10, 14, whatever they are, you're not playing at the level that the SEC teams play at. Um, and, and this is the best example, worst example, depending on where you are in the scope of things, that TCU had their, to Scott's point, their worst day, but their worst day was caused an awful lot by Georgia's best day. I talked about last time Georgia being able to pull it into a different gear that TCU just didn't have. And you saw that after it was 10 to seven and that, you know, that seven kind of felt like a, we'll let you have one guys, but it's, it's over now. Uh, because from that standpoint, from that time point on uh, TCU, looked, they might as well have been tacking, tackling dummies or air because they offered no defense uh, their offense couldn't do anything. It wasn't like it was closer than the final score said. This right. was a massacre from middle of the first quarter on. Let's continue down that path, and we'll stay with Andy, and then we'll go back to Scott. But I off, I don't know – how do I put this? I don't know that Texas or OU gets blown out that bad because I think there's an, at least an equivalency of talent on the field. How much of it was TCU kind of played with fire all year long? We talked about, oh, look at these comebacks, and they should have really maybe lost this game. How much of it really was Michigan maybe overlooked them, didn't play well, and all of a sudden we got them a little overinflated in our head? Well, it, starting with the Michigan game, the first, it took it took a perfect storm for TCU to beat Michigan, and that was two pick sixes and I think three other opportunities within the red zone where Michigan didn't score at all. Uh, and they still only TC still only beat Michigan by one possession, six points. I think it was um, what you saw facing Georgia was a, a team that got burned for being aggressive. The only way TCU stayed in that game with Michigan, with all the other happenstances, TCU is very fast and they're very aggressive and Georgia and Todd Munkin just ate up that aggressiveness. Everything that TCU would normally do, Munkin had an answer for and Stetson Bennett is not going to be an NFL talent he's not going to be a, even a Doug Flutie that hangs around the NFL but he is a hell of a college quarterback right. I can't think of I watched the whole game I can't think of one throw that he had that was offline or just a bad pass or a bad decision so TCU would have had to play a perfect game and had a whole hell of a lot of luck to overcome the talent difference between those two those two teams and it just didn't happen um and georgia was in full possession of all their powers on monday night and just, i mean you don't score 65 points on another d1 team in a national championship um without being really 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 good scott yeah 65 points 65 sevens a score you have in early september against a team that you just paid a million dollars to come play um that was look. TCU did have more speed than Michigan, um, but Georgia had more speed than TCU. Speed kills. I think we all we all saw that. I mean, you know, first of all, it's the SEC, so it just means more. Um, but the speed really was on display. The one thing that I saw TCU. Also, let me say this: um, all due respect to Sonny Dykes in the year that he's had this year. Sonny Dykes is no Kirby Smart either. I'm just. Yeah, Sonny yeah. Dykes is, is is a journeyman coach who's been better than most or better than average, but but nobody's saying you know, oh God, I got to get Sonny Dykes. Um, not even not even Quint would would, would say that. Or is that <laughs> um, 
so uh but but no i think um I, I think that, that the main thing was the speed that I saw. The only play that I saw TCU have any modicums of success with was a run straight up the middle. And obviously you can't do that every time. But every time TCU tried to call a play and get to the outside edge against Georgia, um, look, man, when the defensive tackle from Georgia is faster than your running back, it's going to be a long day. Yeah. It's going to be a no, long I day. No, I think you're right. And, and, and I think it, it stems to – like this is going to become very TCU heavy for the next 15 minutes that we're on. The first part of it, I think is we're going to continue with the downer and say, we have all three said that there is a massive change coming in college football and that TCU likely will not be part of that change. They will not be one of the 32 or whatever number we get comes up. Scott, did this game sort of remind the country why that's why there is a difference in tiers of college football teams? Yeah, but uh, but if if it would have been a semifinal game, definitely even more so. But with it with TCU having the legitimacy of beating Michigan to get there, then if somebody says, "Well, TCU, you embarrassed yourself. You got your doors blown off." Um that's whenever they can look and go, "Well, yeah, but we were there." Right? Sure, we, sure. We so I I do think that brings some legitimacy to them. Um I I did find it funny as you talk about that on the set uh before the game. Um, on ESPN when when David Pollock was talking about how Georgia George former Georgia lineman David Pollock was talking about what a great dynasty this is setting up and Georgia's the best college football program in the company in the country and he's saying all these wonderful things about Georgia and sitting directly right here was Nick Saban who was looking at him with eyes of steel and I think the whole country that saw that just took a snapshot of Nick and went, this is the face you make when you know you're going 15 and 0 next year. Uh, <laughs> I mean, no, but I, and I, so I, I, I don't know how big of a shift there, there will be, but I got a feeling Alabama is going to be pretty good next year. Cause St. Nick is, is ticked off. I will say this though. I, the, the one thing you can see that that's happened, it happened at TCU with Max Duggan. It's happened at Georgia with Stetson Bennett. It happened at Tennessee with Hendon hooker. Uh, the formula for success right now in college football is have a really, really, really good quarterback who's over the age of 23. Yeah. And that may sound silly, but if you can get that guy in the transfer portal who has that level of experience and that level of success, and he fits into your, um, your scheme, um, a guy like Spencer Rattler, who's coming back next year, he's announced for like his ninth alive. or something like that in Oklahoma staying in the big 12 because they're poor. We've checked both blocks, everybody who we have, we've done it. Uh, we've got everything uh, tapped off here, but I, I think that's, that's how teams um, that's how teams become successful from what I can see. And I think that does get interesting, Jim, as we drill down to that limited number of teams that really will have a chance. Like we're talking about um, what, what happens with the transfer portal? Does the transfer portal change just for those teams, and it's different for everybody? Yeah, else? and I or think this is all fun hypothesis crazy, for, for the off season. Andy, does this remind you that TCU is not ready for prime time? Uh, I, I think you'd find a bunch of teams in TCU's position had you know had Baylor been there and had a magical season, had uh, Oregon State been there. I mean, it's not. I'm just picking on the Big Twelve; they just happen to be closest. Um, there are certainly a tier um, that is has already formed and has really already been there, but is really going to start rearing its head over the next five years or so of, 
I don't know, class A football versus class A and a half. Um, and I think that's where you find a team at like TCU. I think the great thing about expanding the playoffs is you're going to have great weekends like TCU Michigan. The worst thing about expanding the playoffs is you're going to have a lot more TCU Georges. Um, but that's okay. I, I don't have a problem with that. I think those games have value in and of themselves. Um, but ultimately what's going to happen, as we've talked about, is there's going to be a group that plays above what is currently Division I NCAA football. And that's going to be your Alabamas, your Georgias, your Ohio States, your Texases. Um, and there's I mean, look, all three, all three of our programs are going to be in that list, right? Like, I, I, I think so. I hope. If you um, want to look at it from a competitive angle, I wouldn't put my own school in. in but a, in I don't think it's about. I don't think it's competitive. No, I think it's, it's about like it's money, money. base and um, eyeballs. What, yeah. is, what is how much does Sam Walton's family want Arkansas to be? one of those teams i mean that i yeah. you, you think i'm joking but I, that's a big part of it yeah, yeah um, i think it's the biggest part of it and i also think i think two things will happen when that happens first of all i think you actually might start to see more parity amongst those 32 teams with an expanded playoff situation and a more focused competition you might see other teams willing to take a shot on a college that's in that 32 that maybe they wouldn't have before because now they might have a better opportunity to get seen for the NFL because now you have 16 playoff teams or whatever it is. And, and you know, we say this because that parody is starting to show its face. A, a team like TCU, all of us believe they're going to take a step back. And I don't think anybody's going to argue that they're going to take a step back next year. Uh, Max Dugan is going to graduate or move to sell insurance or wherever his next step is on that. Um, Manitoba needs a quarterback. That, Neither one of those teams or neither one of those teams we saw Monday night have NFL quarterbacks. That's okay. I don't care. Um, greatest player in Texas A&M history flamed out wildly in the NFL. That's it. Doesn't that matter. win? No, he did well. He played for your Cowboys, as a matter of fact. Yeah, he did. Johnny Manziel was a great, great in college quarterback. Absolutely. He was a shit NFL player. It's a different skill set. It's a different thing. And that's okay because one of the things I love about college football is Stetson Bennett can be a hero. There is no team that's going to draft Stetson Bennett in a meaningful round because he's 5'7 and probably weighs 165 pounds without pads. Um, Max Dugan's a big guy, but his arm strength got really exposed Monday night. And NFL defenses are even better than what Georgia put out on the field. Um, but you're going to see that. But, but TCU, to their credit, they're about to get LSU's five-star quarterback who's transferring out. They got JoJo Earl who's transferring into TCU from Alabama. Uh, they've got a bunch of guys interested because I think what the parity is ultimately going <coughs> to is if I see a chance to win at this program and I see playing time, that's where I'm going to go. Um, where in the old BCS and even to some extent the way we have playoffs now, there's realistically five schools, six schools that have a chance to win everything. And then there's a whole bunch of other schools that hope it's going to work out for them. But if you're not one of those Alabamas, Georgias, Ohio States, probably USC, you know, those teams, now I have a reason that I could go to TCU. So it might work out that it's okay. I think ultimately, though, TCU is not going to have the money, um, however you want to phrase that, to be one of those teams. Baylor's not going to have the money to be one of those teams. Um, and I think you'll have a couple of surprising ones that are uh, when we figure out, you know, what that number is. 
I really feel like um, the Big 12, the only two teams that I think is sent to that level is Texas and OU. I don't know that um, maybe Tech would be the other one you might take from this collection of 12 teams and say, here are the 32 new, whatever we're calling this NCAA Super I think, NCAA. I think Okie State has to be in that. In that you know, I was I was about to say. I, maybe. I keep forgetting they exist. Yeah, but if Boone Pickens was still alive or if they have a donor at that level and oil gets above $100 a barrel again, um, yeah, I think Oklahoma State's a viable player. Oregon, by all intents and purposes, shouldn't be one of those teams, but Phil Knight keeps pumping money into that program. They probably are one of those teams. It'll be interesting to see what happens when USC – leaves next year in UCLA leave next year and how competitive that uh, league is, but it's so many moving parts. Um, and you've got the NIL, you've got the portal, um, you've got uh, unlimited transfers at this point, just, it's all a lot. Um, and it'll be interesting to see how things shake out because Maybe um, Mr. Mr. Sonny Dykes isn't the greatest coach in the world. Maybe he's a middle-of-the-road kind of guy. But maybe he knows how to run that NIL program and portal guys better than anybody else, and that's enough. Because right. ultimately, it's about the Joes and not the X's and the O's. Okay, well, let's contextualize this for the last uh, five or six minutes or so. Where does this season sit for TCU now, Scott? Border, I mean, okay. they should be able to walk around with their head held high, right? I mean, no matter what, they did. They are the first team in the Big 12 to win a playoff game, right? They're the big first team in Texas to win a playoff game. Um, where do you put this as far as how they should be feeling about this season? Um, I, I think if you take it combined with the Cinderella success that Gary Patterson had at times over the past two decades, you can actually make a pretty good case that TCU is a good good place to come play football. Uh, especially with Texas and Oklahoma leaving the Big 12, it, it kind of puts TCU, um, you know, in a position where they should be uh, the cream of the Big 12 crop when Texas and Oklahoma leave. They they really should. I mean, I can't think of, of anybody who could who could rise to where they're at. Um, I, I think it's a springboard. You're already seeing from what they get in the transfer portal. Um, you, you see it, um, you see a bump in recruiting straight away. So I, I think that, that this, I mean, it definitely helps TCU. Uh, I don't know if it helps them as much next year uh, with with everything they that they're losing. And and Max Duggan is, you know, that's a big loss. The the guy brought you back in the fourth quarter a lot of times this year uh, to get to this point. So I I think um I I think that TCU is going to have a down year next year, but they will be able to bounce back from that um, and string something along. They should be should be. Uh, the long-term cream of the Big 12 crop. Um, Andy? It's interesting because everything we just described about TCU, Texas should have been able to take advantage of for the last decade, and they didn't. Um, OU was a big roadblock in there, but uh, even OU getting to the playoffs all the years that they did, they usually got murdered when they got to the playoffs. I, I think competition still matters at some point. And I think the way that you're looked at coming out of a league that doesn't have a Texas and doesn't have an OU on your resume every week uh, is going to be a problem for those teams. So uh, your original question, yes, TCU, TCU fans should feel absolutely great about this season. It is the second best season they've had since 1938. 
uh, because it's their other, it's the national championship. Uh, any of our programs would have been happy to get to the national championship game. Nobody would be happy about losing 65 to seven, but it's kind of this, the Buffalo Bills thing for the NFL. I don't know how you get down as a Buffalo Bills fan when you make four Super Bowls and you don't win one. Understandable, that's disappointing, but you're still the second best team in the NFL throughout that entire time. TCU was the second best team in college football this year. The records are what they say they are. They were playing for the national championship. Should be super proud. That should be a big feather in Sonny Dyke's helmet. I'm sure when they put the statue up of him, which they will because it's TCU, uh, it'll have big mentions about 2022 season. Um, but it might be their last gasp. Uh, it might be their last best hurrah, or it might be another 75 years before, uh, they have something else like this again. Uh, Who gets so, the statue first, Sonny Dykes or Max Duggan? What, what do you think? I think it will be Max Duggan carrying Sonny <laughs> Dykes around. Like, like a Yoda situation, like maybe no. a fireman's carry, maybe like a little baby. I don't know how it's I don't know. I don't know. Our artist interpretation. I kind of want to see him do it in Master Blaster style, where Sonny Dykes is up on his shoulders, <laughs> just kind of walking him around. That'd be neat. It does feel like, um, again, and I, I don't, I don't even think, I think if things were going to be status quo in the way college football is now for the next 10 years, I think TCU would be able to use this as a springboard to becoming somewhat of a national power. But I just don't think they are because I don't think that I don't think it's going to be the same five years from now. I think you're we are not. I don't, I think we are going to have this show. And we're going to talk about Aggie football and Arkansas football and Longhorn football, and we're not going to necessarily call them part of the NCAA. I firmly a thousand percent believe that that's where we're heading, and so I don't think TCU makes it to that level just because they don't bring very much to the table when you're talking about that stuff. Andy, you look like you're going to agree with me or disagree with me. No, I agree with you. What I'd love to see is. Um... I keep struggling for a name for this group of the, the 32 or whatever that number is. Um, I keep coming back to premier league, like European soccer is. So I would love to see a situation where you pick those 32, but TCU has a chance to advance or get relegated every year. Um, yes. depending on that. That's pretty That'd cool be idea, fantastic. Yeah. Yes. And then everybody else plays for bowl games and does what they do and they can be happy being, tech and winning eight games a year and go into the sun bowl or the texas bowl or whatever it is other than that real football or the football that matters for a championship is going to be amongst those 32 but that 32 might look different every year or so that's right i think you're heading there now look that is the that is yell fight suey for today we are not going to be back next week because guys i am taking 12 film students to la and i don't know that i'm going to have the bandwidth to discuss anything other than wanting to get home by the time this episode comes around when we're back, we're going to talk a little basketball, but then college baseball will be right on our front door. He is Scott McIntyre of the Suey Nation. We've got Andy Tom Chesson, who's yelling up there in Houston, Texas, and I am James Christopher, the fighting of this thing. We'll see you guys in a couple of weeks. 33 days. Y'all Fight Suey is part of the Let's Get To Network. Y'all Fight Suey is produced by Twitchy Dolphin Media.